good morning, everyone. I invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. We will continue our study of the book of Numbers. Now, for those who are visiting or those who need to be reminded, our study of the book of Numbers we are calling the journey home. The journey home. And in this journey home, the Lord has been leading His people from Egypt to the promised land. You see, the Lord has brought them out of Egypt to Mount Sinai. And that's where we began in the book of Numbers. The people camped out at Mount Sinai where the Lord gave them His law. And then several weeks back we read about how the Lord called them out to go to Canaan. Now, this journey could have taken just a few days from Mount Sinai to Canaan. And yet we know that they have run into some problems already. They had to fight fires at Terabah. They had to dig graves at Kibroth Hattavah. Remember the graves of craving. They had to wait a whole week at Hezroth for Miriam to heal after she was punished for her rebellion against Moses' leadership. But now they have made it to Kadesh Barnea at the very edge of the promised land. They have pulled into the driveway as it were. And all they have to do is go in and receive what the Lord is giving them. And this is where we pick up. In Numbers chapter 13. If you would look down beginning at verse 1. This is God's holy word for us, His people. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. Now down to verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage. And bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rahab, near Lebo Hamath. They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Shishai, and Telmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshkol. And cut down from there a branch with single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. At the end of forty days they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, 
We came to the land to which You sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell on the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. This is God's holy word for us as people. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you now this morning and we ask, O Lord, that by your grace you would impart to us your Holy Spirit, that we might see clearly what you would have for us in your word. We pray, O God, that you would give to us eyes of faith and not eyes of fear, that we might receive the blessing that you have given to us in Christ. And it's in his holy name that we do pray. Amen. Well, it is always amazing to me when two people can come away from the same situation and have two very different responses. You go out to eat with your spouse and she loves the atmosphere, the service, and the food, and you are thinking whether or not you're going to even leave a tip. You go to the new Star Wars movie and you think it's great, but your friend does not agree You watch a football game and you think all the calls have gone against your team, but somebody else thinks it was completely fair. You look at a home and the way that it has been decorated and you think that it is lovely, but your friend thinks that it's the most gaudy thing that she has ever seen. Same situation, same evidence, but radically different evaluation. In our passage for this morning, 12 men are sent into Canaan on a reconnaissance mission. They are charged with evaluating the fruitfulness of the land, the stature of the people, the strength of the fortifications. And when they return, there is no dispute about the facts of the mission. There's no squabbling over what they saw. Yet there are two very different opinions as to what the facts mean. There's a majority report and there is a minority report. The majority report says that this is a fool's errand, that there's no way that we can take the land. There's no hope for this mission to succeed and so we need to abort now. On the other hand, the minority report says we can do this. We can win the day. We can conquer the land. One group is frightened for the future. And the other is confident. So what is the difference? 
The evidence is the same. The facts are not in dispute. Why does one group look at the future in fear and the other with hope? Why does one group say we can do it and the other wants to run away? And this is the question that we must answer when we come to the text this morning. How do we face a difficult future with faith and not fear? How do we go forward into hard situations, the hard situations of our lives, with confidence and hope, despite the giants that are in the land? The first way that we can face the future with faith and not fear is to remember the promises of God's Word. You see, the people of God have approached the land of Canaan from the south, through the desert of Zin. And as they look out from Kadesh Barnea, all they can see is the desert foothills of the southern region of Canaan. A region that is completely hostile to human settlement. And I bet you can imagine how the people of Israel felt as they looked out on this wasteland. They must have thought, what is on the other side of those mountains? Has the Lord just brought us to a desolate waste? The Lord is saying He's giving us this land, but do we even want it? And so the Lord in His grace commands that a group go up over the mountains and spy out the land. Go and see if what I have said is true. Check it out. Take it for a test drive. For the Lord said to His people in Exodus 3, I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, a land flowing with milk and honey. As we read through the spies' report, we find that God has been true to His Word. He has led them through the wilderness. He has brought them to the land of the Canaanites. And in verse 27, if you look at your text there, we read, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. You see, when the people heard this report, they should have rejoiced. They should have looked forward in faith, for the Lord had promised to do exactly this. The Lord promised to bring them out of Egypt, and He did it. The Lord promised that He would bring them through the desert, and He has done it. He has promised that He would give them a land of great fruitfulness, and He has done it. God's people need not fear the future, because the Lord has proven His faithfulness. He has continually upheld His Word so that not one of His promises to His people have failed to come to pass. You see, when the spies went into the land, they should have seen the fruitfulness and rejoiced that God was faithful to His promises. This is how they should have evaluated the facts through the lens of God's faithfulness. And when we face an uncertain future, we too must turn to the faithfulness of God to His promises and remember that He always upholds His Word. 
And this is the reason the Lord commanded this fact-finding mission. He is saying to to His people, check out My faithfulness. See that I will not lie. I promised I would give you this land and now I am telling you, come and taste and see the reality of My promises. And when you come to a time of uncertainty, this is how you must fight the temptation to give in to fear. You remember His word of promise. So if you fear the uncertainty of hardships ahead, of a disease that you cannot control and did not expect to come into your life, an accident that has come in and you do not know what to do with it, remember Psalm 34. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of all of them. When you are tempted to fear growing old, Remember Isaiah 46, even to your old age, I am He, and to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made you, I will bear you, I will carry, and I will save you. If you look to the future with fear of not having enough money, remember Matthew 6, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You see, the way that we can face the future with faith and not fear is to remember God's faithfulness to His Word. He has shown us grace in the past. Surely He will show us grace in the future to bring us safely home. However, the spies not only find oversized grape clusters, they also found oversized fortifications and people as well. The land was flowing with milk and honey, but it was also flowing with forts and with giants. If you look down at verse 27, there we read, And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Now, I'm not sure what they expected to find when they came into the land of Canaan. Maybe they thought the people would have already left. Maybe they expected that the battles were behind them, and once they made it to Canaan, they would be home free. Maybe they thought that, the, the, that those who lived in the land, the inhabitants of Canaan, would just roll out the welcome mat and say, Sure, come and take our land. But this is not what they find. Rather, they find a land that is populated with strong people and strong cities. And the strength of the people make them tremble with fear. So often we can approach the Christian life in this manner. We think, if I give my life to Christ in faith, that my problems will go away. That things will just work out. That they will just fall into place. And then we are surprised when we encounter a struggle along the way. And yet God's Word is clear as to the hardships on the journey home. 1 Peter 4.12 Beloved, 
Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Or in Acts 14.22, there we read, Paul was strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations we must go through on our journey home. The Lord has not ordained a battle-free future for His people. He has not promised us a future without hardships. And we must acknowledge this. We must name these fears so that when we encounter them, we can see them clearly. The spies could not see clearly what the presence of these enemies meant. And so they evaluate the evidence wrong. They see these hardships and they exaggerate them. Look at verse 32. It says, So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. There we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seem to them. Now it's difficult to separate fact from opinion in the spies' report here. But at the very least we know that they are exaggerating their case. Right? The land devours the people. There are giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. No doubt there was war in the land. No doubt the Anak were extremely tall and therefore the Israelites felt very small. But they saw all of these obstacles through the lens of fear and not faith. And therefore, they all became exaggerated. This is what happens when you're not willing to acknowledge hardships. When they come to you, you are unprepared to handle them well. Christian, the call that you have on your life will include difficulties. And if you don't acknowledge them now, they will turn into giants in the future. To face the future with faith and not fear, we must acknowledge these hardships. Yet so often we go into the various stages of life blind to these realities. We go into marriage believing our future spouse is going to be perfect. And so we overlook all of their faults. And then all of a sudden we realize they're not perfect. And we think that, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? Not only is this person not perfect, I can't say anything good about this person. We have children believing that we can ensure their personal well-being and success. And when we fail to do this, we begin to speak poorly of ourselves and what we could do. We begin a job. We move to a new town. We go off to school and believe that if God has called us to these situations, that then of course they will be free of conflict. But the opposite is just the case. The Lord's call on our lives always includes conflict. So don't act surprised when you encounter hardship. But acknowledge that the future will bring difficult situations. Hardships are a part of God's plan for our journey home. And once we acknowledge them, we will be in a place to see them as they truly are. 
and to see that they can be overcome. You see, to face the future with faith and not fear, we must remember God's promises. We must acknowledge that hardship is a part of the plan. And finally, we must trust in God's power to win the victory. Look down at verse 30. There we read, But Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Right? They got stirred up. They, they began to get scared. But Caleb says, Calm down. Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. As the other spies tell their interpretation of the facts, the people begin to get a little restless, a little noisy. Nevertheless, Caleb quiets them down and says, Hey, sure there are obstacles in the land, but we've got this. We can do this. We can overcome it. One group looks at the obstacles and realizes that they can't win. Yet Caleb and Joshua look at the promises of God and they realize with God on their sides they cannot lose. For we read in Deuteronomy chapter 1, Do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will Himself fight for you, just as He did for you in Egypt before your eyes. The way that we can go forward in faith and not fear is to trust in the Lord's power to overcome and not our own. The hardships of the future must be evaluated through this reality that it is the Lord who fights on our behalf. Yes, we must walk through the struggle, but the Lord is the one who will ensure the victory. This is what Paul meant in Romans 8. When he said, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. You see, viewing the future with faith and not fear is not blind optimism. Rather, we can go forward in faith knowing that God is the one who goes before us. And though there are giants in the way, He will win the battle. Conflict and hardships are not good indicator of God's plan for your life. So often, I will hear people interpret God's will by discerning the most conflict-free route to take. They said everything worked out, everything fell into place, therefore it must be God's plan. Or they'll say something along the lines, oh, there's just so many obstacles, there's so many hardships, there's no way God is calling me to do this. When in fact, God often leads us into conflict that He might display His strength and our need. He often brings us to a land full of giants. And if we are unwilling to choose to walk into the midst of hardship, then we cut ourselves off from the fullness of God's blessing for our life. We say things like, you know, I just can't be a missionary. It would be too difficult to leave my family. There's no way I could ever adopt a child with special needs. It would just be too much stress on my life. I couldn't serve in that neighborhood. It's just not safe. I can't share the gospel with my neighbor. It's just too uncomfortable for me to do this. There's so many hardships. There's so many obstacles. No way God is calling me to be a missionary. No way God is calling us to share the gospel. No way God is calling us to lay down our lives that others might come to faith in Christ. 
if we will see the world one for Christ, then we must be willing to go into a land filled with giants. Of course we cannot go forward on our own. But you were never meant to go forward on your own. For God calls you to go into impossible situations so that He can show His power to save and win the victory. In our passage, there is a unique little detail that seems inconsequential to this account. But I want to point it out to you. If you look at verse 16, it says, These were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Now, as all we are to learn here is that Moses had a nickname for Hoshua, or is there something more going on in the text? Well, as strange as it may sound, this name change is actually the key to understanding the difference between fearing the future and having hope for the future. And this is true for the spies as well as for us. This name change explains why it is that we have two very different evaluations of the same situation. You see, the name Hosea means this man saves or he saves. But Moses changed his name to Joshua, which means the Lord saves. This is the difference between fear and faith. Does the man save or does the Lord save? When you look at your life, you need to ask yourself, do I view the future as a Hosea or as a Joshua? Do you look to the future believing that you will have to save yourself? Will you look to the future believing that the Lord will save you? Do you think that you have to overcome your enemies? Or do you believe that the Lord will overcome your enemies? Do you look at the future and say, based on the promises of God, I have faith that it is the Lord who saves me. For this is the good news of the Gospel. Not that we save ourselves, but rather by His grace, the Lord sent His Son, Jesus, into the world to save His people. He died on the cross and He rose from the grave, defeating all His and our enemies. And therefore, to go into the promised land, to make it home exile, we must have faith that it is the Lord who saves. Not by the strength of our works, by the strength of His grace alone we are saved. So whatever you are facing, Whatever unknown future, whatever overwhelming call, whatever distressing news, continue to remind yourself, it is the Lord who saves. Do not fear the giants of the land, but look to the fruitfulness into which the Lord is calling you, believing that it is not you who will win the day, but the Lord who goes before you, and that you will win by the strength and the power and the faithfulness of our God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go now to the Lord, asking that He would apply to our hearts 
what we have heard in His Word. Almighty God, we come to You now. And each one of us here, each individual, is looking forward to an unknown future. One in which there will be hardships, but through Your grace, O Lord, one in which there is great joy. And so we ask, that You would give us eyes of faith, that we might see our future, Lord, with an understanding that You are the One who saves. Let us go forward in Your power and not our own. We pray it through Christ's holy name. Amen.